0: The Lord always hears us, and He always listens, and um, I know in my house every once in a while my dear wife might raise the question, honey, are you listening to me? I know that's probably never happened to you as a husband or a wife, right, where you're asking your spouse, are you listening to me? I've been married 33 years. I I don't have enough fingers and toes to count the number of times she's asked me that. But I wanted to start out this morning reading some scripture. I'm not sure where this is going to lead, but we'll just see. Uh, Psalm 116. I just want you to turn there. Psalm 116. The psalmist in this, if you read the entire psalm, he gives thanks for deliverance from death. That's a pretty serious issue. (laughs) Um... But the first couple of verses for me have um really been transforming in terms of of my prayer life. Um, you know our prayer life is something that um, is special because it's just between us and the lord um It's an opportunity to communicate with him and and um to share with him what's going on in your life um Have you ever been in a position where in your prayer life you are afraid to be honest with the Lord I, I know it sounds kind of crazy maybe to you but I know every once in a while in my prayer life I've been like well I don't know if I'll mention this to him or not and it's like what am I talking about you ever, you ever caught yourself doing that and it's like okay what am I doing um, this is the omniscient God who knows everything he knows everything about me and everything going on in my life and, and it's like um, what am I what am I trying to hide because I can't hide anything. I need to be honest with him. I need to share with him the things that are going on in my mind, in my life. And, and um, maybe for you, you know, I, as a pastor, you, you are with a lot of people during the week, and um, you see a lot of folks, and you hear things going on in people's lives, and, and sometimes it really brings great concern. Right? Somet- sometimes that people are sharing things with you that are concerning them, that are really weighty in their lives. And um, and so what we'd say typically when someone shares with us like that, we say, Well, I'm gonna pray for you. And I think, how many times have I said that and then not done that right away? Any of us willing to be honest about that, where we said, Yeah, I'll pray for you and then something else immediately happens and we're off and doing our thing and and so now one of the things that I try with the help of the Lord to say is um, if the Lord brings it to my mind I'll pray for you. Because sometimes I'm not real good about about doing that. But as I was reading this passage of scripture in my devotions this week, I was like, um, wow, Lord, you, you hear me all the time. No matter what's going on in my life, your ear is toward me. I don't know about you, but that's comforting to me. Right. I mean, you think about the fact that you you sometimes even are begging for someone to listen to you. But the Lord, he promises to listen to us. And this is what's so awesome. He never sleeps and he never slumbers. He doesn't get tired, he's not sleepy, he's not like, hey, I'm not sure what's going on. And one of the most amazing things to me about the Lord, um, and there's so many amazing things when you're studying the Word, but he's not confused I mean, think about how many people are bringing petitions and supplications before the Lord on, on a regular basis and it's like, man, Lord, how are you getting all that, right? I mean, I've often wondered how ladies do it. Ladies are pretty good at it. They could be a, like a circle of them and there's like six or eight of them talking at the same time and I'm like, are they even able to know what's going on? And I've asked them that before and they're like, yeah, we know what's going on. And I'm like, wow, men can't do that. But... What's awesome about our God is that, that he always hears us, and he cares. He's concerned. And I know that they're in this body today, in this audience today. Some of you are carrying around large, weighty things on you, right? And, and you've come here today, and, and, and you want to worship, and you want to be with other believers, and it's a form of encouragement, but you're coming with weight on your chest, And um, I just want to encourage you today to release that, to give it to the Lord. Um, Psalm 116, if you look in verse 1, listen to what the psalmist says. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplication. The Lord, by the way, the Lord knows those that are his. John 10 tells us that. He knows those that are his. And do you know, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you're his. You belong to him. And, and he hears you. And the psalmist here is, is giving thanks because the Lord hears him. And, and so what that tells me is like, as I'm reading through that, and I'm, and I'm just kind of meditating on that this week, I'm like, he's a personal God. He's personal. You know, uh, we we serve a risen Savior. He hears us. Um, Well, I I just like what what that says there. The psalmist says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications. And that word supplications in the Hebrew is a request or a petition. You know, oftentimes when you think about um, uh, praying, we might think in terms of confession of sin, At times, we might think in terms of giving thanks. We might think even in terms of worship. But here, the psalmist is bringing a request or a petition. And notice uh, the plural there, my supplications, my many requests, my many petitions. Um, And I look at that and I go, wow, you know, that's good that, that he's able to do that. That he's able to release that. I'm bringing this before you. Now, why does someone bring something before the Lord? Because they believe he what? He listens, he hears, and he can do something about it. Um, keep your, your um, finger there, and I want you to go with me to Philippians chapter 4, which is a familiar passage to you, but um, I think it states it really well here as well. Um, this is just supposed to be an introduction to our service. I like to start in verse 4, in Philippians 4, verse 4, and then we'll go back to Psalm 116. Verse 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say, rejoice. I did a funeral this last week, and... and um, I made mention, I don't know how this is going to sound even to you guys, but I made mention of the fact that um, I wanted the funeral to be something, you know, the message to be something the Lord gave me. Not that he doesn't give me messages, but sometimes at a funeral you might even as a pastor pull out what I call a canned message. You have those passages you go to. And, and I was like, Lord, I, I, I want it to be you doing this. I don't want it to be sad doing this. And so one of the things that um, I shared was this verse. Uh, Because in in death uh, of a believer, as odd as it may sound to an audience, there's celebration. (laughs) You believe that? (laughs) There's celebration. Uh, Because we, as believers, when we die, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Immediately. And um, so as I was talking this last week about this person's life, I said, you know, there's a passage in Philippians where um, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I will say rejoice. And I said, but you know, there's a little word in between there that's difficult. Because he says, rejoice in the Lord, what? Always. Uh. Right? That's just one of those ugh. But in the life of a believer, there can always be celebration. There can always be rejoicing. Because the Lord's on the throne. And he doesn't change. He's always God. <laughs> um, and so Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, we'll say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. I like that. The Lord is near. And I think that's exactly what the psalmist is saying here. The Lord is near. You're going to see that in just a moment. And then he says, be anxious for nothing. I mean, that just has to be one of the most difficult statements for a Christian to kind of absorb. Be anxious for nothing, because anxiety is just a part of life, is it not? I mean, how many, you might even be here sitting right now anxious about something I have no idea. You know, you could have anxiety just written across your forehead, right? And the Lord sees that. And the Lord sees when I'm anxious, There's a tendency to anxiety. That's just who we are in the flesh. That's that's our flesh. We're anxious people. Um, But Paul says to these believers, he says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, look at verse 6, but in everything by prayer and what? Supplication. Requesting of God. With thanksgiving, he says, Let your request be made known to God. Notice that word request is plural. Let your request be made known to God. So he gives to these believers in Philippi this remedy for anxiety. You know, be anxious for nothing. There's no reason to be anxious. But that doesn't mean that Thad Blunt at times is not anxious. There are times in my life where I'm anxious. In fact, there are days sometimes where I'm really anxious. I remember growing up, uh, as a young, young man, and um, when I was 16 years old, I had an ulcer, and um, that wasn't fun. I, I, all I remember is it wasn't fun, and I remember going to the doctor's office for a procedure, and um, that procedure wasn't fun, and, and I remember um, uh, the diagnosis from the doctor. He said, "That you have ulcers, and, and a lot of times, ulcers are as a result of anxiety, and, um, and I have to confess that when I was a teenager, I worried all the time. I mean, I did. I, had, I, I, I Looking back, I was thinking about that as I was going through this. I worried all the time. And you know my primary worry? This is going to sound crazy to you maybe. You're like, what, what are you talking I worried about what other people thought about me. All the time. I couldn't go to school. I couldn't walk through the front door of the school without being concerned. What does that person there think about me? What does that person think about me? I don't know, any of you relate to that? Or I'm, I'm the only weird one in the room. <laughs> but that was my anxiety. And you know why? I, I, it's because I want to be liked by people. That's just the reality of it. Well, Paul's telling these believers to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, he says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So, so that's, the, that's what we're to do like it's he's like presenting the formula for this anxiety in your life. And it looks like to me when I'm back here in Psalm 116 that that he understands the psalmist does that the Lord hears. That he's listening to him. And so we need to know as we bring these things to the Lord that bring us anxiety, he hears us. Right? If if I asked you to to just as an assignment list list the top 3 things and as you get older, you know what they are. List those things that bring you anxiety, that trouble you. What are those things? Maybe your children. Now you may be anxious. You may be one of those parents that's just sitting on the edge of your bed all the time about your kids. It may be finances where there's anxiety in your life. There may be it may be a relationship issue. But Paul tells these believers in Philippi he says, listen. Here's the remedy for an anxious life. Now, you have to do verse 6 in order to get verse 7. You get that? <laughs> you ever? How many of you have memorized these verses right in the past? You know these verses. But you have to do verse 6 in order to get verse 7. So, But if you read it, man, verse 7 sure is awesome. And I, there are times where you and I have experienced this, but... The Apostle Paul, he writes this. And the peace of God. So after I do verse 6, here it is. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. And some translations, have understanding. All understanding. This peace that the Lord offers surpasses all understanding. Listen, it surpasses any kind of peace the world wants to try to give us. There's no peace like the Lord can give. And, and Paul knew that. He says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding or comprehension, will guard, that word guard there is a picture of a, a Roman garrison, 6,000 soldiers. It's a pretty awesome picture that Paul paints. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus, imagine a Roman garrison of 6,000 soldiers guarding you. That's a pretty good deal, Right? But you know what? There's one that's much better than the 6,000 Roman soldiers, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says here, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, this peace, right, will guard, will garrison your hearts and your minds. And notice that prepositional phrase, where? Where is is your heart going to be guarded and your mind be guarded? going to be guarded. Look what the phrase is. In Christ Jesus. That's the peace. The peace is knowing that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever and that there's nothing in Thad Blunt's life or your life that he does not know. He's fully aware of it. Whether it's your kids or your finances or your job, he's not surprised by the things that are going on in your life and in my life. Well, If you go back to Psalm 116, the psalmist in verse 2. This is kind of a mini-sermon. The psalmist in verse 2 says this, Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I shall call upon him as long as I live. You get what he's saying? (laughs) He's saying, because he has inclined his ear toward me, because he hears, this is my commitment. My commitment is this. Because he hears, he says, therefore I shall call upon him as long as I live. I need to ask you a question. And you don't have to answer out loud how often during your week and my week are we calling upon the Lord? You know, I I think it's a good question. And when we run into times of trouble and anxiety, who are we going to? Is is our go-to maybe right our wife or or our friend or is our first go-to the Lord? The psalmist says here, Therefore, I shall call upon him as long as I live. As long as the Lord gives me breath, it benefits me to call upon him. And I trust that that's what's going on in your life. I trust every day of your life, and you can pray for me that every day of my life, I will call upon the name of the Lord. Not only is he worthy to be praised, but he listens to me, and he listens to you. You guys, listen to me. I know in a room this size, there are tremendous anxieties going on. There have to be. The odds are in my favor that there's at least one person going through great anxiety. Can I just encourage you with something? Listen to the psalmist and listen to Paul. Let's pray together. Lord, um, it's true that in our lives um, we're met with curveballs, to use a baseball analogy. And there are things that come up that we are not prepared for. There are things that come up that bring us anxiety. Um, Lord, I pray for all of us in this room... Myself first. That I would know as a believer you hear me, number one. That I would know, number two, as a believer you you care for me. You love me. You're concerned about everything that goes on in my life. And Lord, I pray third that, that my commitment every day would be to call upon you Whether things are going well or not. That that would be a discipline in my life. And that you would help all of us to have that discipline. Lord, um, I just want to thank you for teaching me some of these things. and Reminding me. Not that I haven't heard these things before, I have. But reminding me, Lord, of the fact that no matter what. Is going on you got it you're in control and um, I just thank you to know that in the name of Christ amen I share just a brief story with you about that that happened this week and I know these guys are behind me um, so this week I had um, I've had one operation in my life and that was um my tonsils my tonsils were taken out When I was seven, Uh, other than that, I've been good. Until this last week, and I've had another minor surgery a few years ago. um, I had these these cysts, uh, two of them on my head, and then I had one on my back. Well, the one on my back's been on there for like 15 years or so. And um, so, I went to get it off. And um, I'm not real good about going to doctors. That does bring me a little bit of anxiety. And um, as I was... Lying on the table there. And they were deadening the area. Um, you know what I th- the Lord brought to my mind? All of you. The ones in here who've had a lot worse surgery. I was thinking, man, Lord, what am I laying here worrying about? You're in control. I don't like little needles. And they were poking me all around that spot, deadening that area. And... um and I was laying there, I was like, man, Lord, I have a lot to be thankful for. I shouldn't be anxious about this. And I thought about people in our church who've been through a lot this year and last year in terms of surgery. But at the end of the surgery, this was kind of funny, I'm laying there on my side, and um, the, the area is deadened. And I'm one of those patients, I don't know if, if you're like this, where I'm quizzing the doctor as I go. Any of you like that? because I want to be the doctor. Anyway, so, um, but I can't operate on myself. But anyway, so I'm laying there and and the area is deadened and I could feel the scaffold like going across my back. It was like, gee, that's, but but it didn't hurt. It just, you could, like, wow, that's a pretty long cut there you're making, big fella. Well then, there's two nurses in there and and so, uh, the doctor says, give me the hook. And I'm like, well, alrighty, and so I just, I'm laying there on my side going, the hook, the hook, so he, he takes the hook, and he pulls it out, and he says, it's a boy, and, uh, <laughs> and then they said, uh, the nurse said, well, Dad, do you want to see it, and I said, sure, why not, and they showed it to me, but laying on that table, I was reminded about these verses, and I just wanted to share that with you guys uh, this morning as we be in our service.
1: mm uh-huh. It's mm-hmm.
0: the hardest um, things to do is communicate the responsibility of a shepherd to the sheep. It's hard to convey um, just how vast that responsibility is. It's hard to um, kind of put it into terms maybe that um that might resonate with you but you if you chop out the shepherd sheep then you're going to chop out a good portion of the bible so we can't do that we need to really try to understand um what peter's doing from a shepherd's perspective and and so I hope maybe this opening illustration might help with that because as you Read Second Peter. One cannot help but think about Chapter Five of First Peter, where he talks about the shepherd and the chief shepherd and the responsibility that shepherds have to sheep. And if there's a day that in time that um, we need shepherds, it's today. Because there is so much out there that is false. To discern what is true does take. I believe, a shepherd um, (laughs) a lot of time. There is just a lot of responsibility that a shepherd has. You know, once a year here at Grace, we have nominations for elders and deacons. And um, an elder is a shepherd who oversees, who protects, who feeds, who guards, all those things. And his responsibility is to eat the word of God and to be dependent on the Lord. That's the responsibility of an elder, a shepherd. And, and if a shepherd's going to do that well, then um, he must be continually depending on the Lord and number two, recognize that retirement's not an option. Now I don't know how that second one's going to sound to the shepherds. Now here at Grace after every three years, um, some shepherds roll off the board, but they're still shepherds. And in all the 22 years I've been around, I haven't ever been able to roll off. Um, But no shepherd rolls off. There's no such thing as I'm going to retire from being a shepherd of the body of Christ. That just doesn't happen. I mean... Um, There's a desire, one of the distinctive qualities of a shepherd is that there's a desire um, to be a shepherd, to shepherd the sheep. And um, I know for me, I can't speak for the other guys. I think I probably could, but um, I won't. I'll let them tell you. Um, I have a great desire to shepherd. It is a passion that I have and um, that God's put on me that I, I enjoy, I embrace. It scares me to death. But that's okay. Because that that means hopefully I'm being dependent on the Lord. And not my own wisdom and understanding. Um, so, as a shepherd, um, Peter is conveying to these guys um, the importance of spiritual growth. Remember that? Chapter 1. That's That's his message in chapter 1. And that comes through the more sure word of God. You need to stand on that, grow in relationship to the Lord. The instrument you need is God's word. You can do that. And, and there's, for us, guys, what's so awesome is that we have the full revelation. And um, right now we have the freedom every day we can open the book to grow in relationship to Christ. And then chapter 2. He warns them. He gives them a warning. He spends a lot of time warning them about false teachers. And as we come to chapter 3, his whole emphasis seems to be on the coming of Christ and the events that surround that and then living in light of that. And so I'm like, okay, I think in order to really appreciate what Peter's doing with his original audience, we have to understand that shepherd role. And so, you know, because a shepherd protects and he feeds and all that stuff, and I thought this, this illustration, this story was really appropriate to maybe help you guys understand as we are going through chapter 3, and as we've been through chapter 2 and 1, that Peter had that heart of a shepherd, and he knew his death was imminent, and um, I don't know when the Lord's going to take me, but I have a heart of a shepherd, and I want to speak God's word every week. That's all I know to do. Yeah, you know, there's a, just as a side note briefly, there's a pressure on pastors today to conform to what I call story time. I had someone not long ago make a statement to me about the Word, and, and, and it was a good statement. I said, well, I don't know anything else to do. Huh, I got nothing else for you. I mean, you know, I'm not a comedian. That's a fact. I'm not even a great storyteller. They have guys that are great story. I'm not one of those guys. I can read you some stories. And I'm going to read you one right now that hopefully will help you understand kind of this whole thing that this... It really is. I mean, it's, it's Peter writing with this urgency in, in light of in protecting the sheep and teaching the sheep and so forth. There's a story told about a Christian dentist named James Reddick, that illustrates the commitment of a shepherd and the commitment that a shepherd should have for his sheep. You might, even some of you who are older, remember the story of Dr. James Reddick and his encounter on Mount Rainier. On Memorial Day weekend, 1969, uh, James Reddick was teaching his 12-year-old daughter and his 11-year-old son the joy of mountain climbing when a sudden storm came up. The storm battered them with hurricane-force winds and thick wet sheets of snow. It was a blinding snow, a whiteout. Any of you ever been through a whiteout? Man, you just can't see. It's hard to even describe it to you. It's like a blinding rain, I guess, somewhat, except it's pretty. <laughs> All right. Um, So this whiteout made it impossible for for them to see or move on the slopes. And the the slopes were steep. Um, Well, after digging an oblong trench with an aluminum mess kit, Dr. Reddick tucked his children into sleeping bags away from the entrance. He covered the opening with a tarp and tried to weigh it down with backpacks. But to prevent the tarp from periodically blowing away and filling up the trench with snow, Dr. Reddick had to lie across the opening. Two days passed before searchers noticed a corner of one of the backpacks protruding from the snow. When they got there, they found the kids very much alive. However, they found Dr. Reddick lifeless, against the wall of the snow cave his body protecting the children from danger that's a shepherd A shepherd lays down in front of the danger a shepherd warns a shepherd protects a shepherd points out another good analogy would be as a father um, you have that same mind you want to protect your children And you see out, especially when they are teenagers, and they're like, they know everything. All of a sudden, they know everything. And and you're, you're trying to convey to them in a nice way, without them running away, you don't know everything. And I see the dangers in front of you. And I see those difficult things. And so, Peter is really trying, I believe, to encourage these guys that they're on the right track. And that there are people out there that aren't on the right track, they're going to try to distract you. And um, these guys in chapter 3, he refers to them as scoffers, as those who make fun of. Um, this is where we've been to this point in, in chapter 3. Um, we've seen that a shepherd loves his sheep. Four times in the passage, he points out his love for his sheep. Um... And love for the sheep, right, that, that model for the shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the chief shepherd, and he loved unconditionally, and he loved sacrificially. So as a shepherd in the body of Christ, my love for you is to be unconditional and sacrificial. That's what it's to be. I put no conditions on it. I'm not waiting for you to get right. <laughs> I just love you. That's what a shepherd does. A shepherd loves. And this last week I was telling you about a funeral I had and I, I stood in front of the audience and I, I didn't know, I might have known five people in that in that audience. I saw them, I loved them. I do. I did. I still do. I want them to know Christ. Shepherds want, right, the unbelievers to know Christ. They need to set the pace for witnessing, if you will. Then he says, um, shepherds stir up, they wake up. The sheep, because sheep, well, they're not the smartest animals. And I'm not saying you're not, you guys aren't smart, you're brilliant. But sheep can be lethargic. Um, and so Peter is pointing that out. And he's trying to stir them up to the word. If you go back to verse 2. In the context, he's reminded them of what was said by the holy prophets, as he calls them, and the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ that was given by the apostles. He's saying, look, wake up to that. Because the central issue in chapter 3 is the coming of Christ and what comes with that. (laughs) It's not just the coming of Christ, there are things that come with that. Now, you and I are going to enjoy the second coming of Christ as we're coming with him. there are going to be people that aren't going to enjoy that. They're enjoying now, right? But they may not enjoy that, and they won't if they don't know Christ. So Peter's stirring them up. Hey, remember what was said by the prophets. Remember what was said concerning the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ by the apostles. Remember those things. And then, thirdly, and this is where we are, and you're, I know you're looking at your watch right now going, it's 1125. He already had one sermon. This is the second sermon. But I just want to get through this next point, and then we're good. We're never going to make it to five and six today. But notice this third point. We talked a little bit about last week. A shepherd warns his sheep and provides an example for the sheep. And he does that. We're going to get to that, uh, that he provides an example for the sheep. We'll get to that next week. But He does. Because the shepherd's to be an example to the sheep. That's pretty high calling. You think about about that. (laughs) Right? I mean, I could say, hey, all the shepherds stand up. They need to be setting an example just like I do for you. That's the picture. I mean, listen, it says it back in 1 Peter chapter 5. That overseers are to be an example. Well... What's he warning them of? Those who ridicule, those who scoff. They scoff at the promise concerning the second coming or the coming of Christ. And uh, Jude mentions that as well, but he doesn't necessarily mention the event. What's their, what are they mocking? Here in Second Peter, the central issue really comes around the question. We're going to see it here in just a minute. But he says in verse 3, Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking. Be certain of that. They are going to come. People are going to make fun of the second coming of Christ. Now you think about today, and I I wrote in my notes to have you give me some examples, so we're going to do that. What are some ways in which the world today is laughing at the believer? When do they laugh at us? Creationism, we're going to get into that. They laugh at that, right? Because the theory of evolution is not for them a theory, it's a fact. But, wow, Peter, he's going to talk about that. And do you know what's interesting is when he talks about it, these guys are willfully obstinate against it. The New American Standard doesn't have the best translation. We'll get to that next week. Or right, if y'all want to stay until 1, we can get to it today. Then, then we found out about these mockers. Not only do they mock or make fun of the second coming, but then um, they live for themselves. He gives us their lifestyle first. Look at that at the end of verse 3. Knowing this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking following after their own lust, plural. Their lifestyle is one of continual lust. I got great news for you as a believer. That doesn't have to be true for you and me. Because we have the spirit of the living God in us. And although we battle that flesh every day, there can be victory. And all God's people said amen to that, right? If you didn't say it, say it now. Amen. There can be. We have to live under the control of the spirit of God. So they live for themselves. And then their conclusion is that Christ will not return. Um, look at verse 4. We'll end of verse 3. Following after their own lust. And that word following is continual. So they're continually doing that. And saying, and here's where the mocking comes. It comes in question form. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? I mean, it's been a while. The prophet spoke about it. Right? But it's been a while. What's going on? Where is he? Um, there are a couple of words here that I think you need to know. The word saying is an interesting word. In fact, you know, when I was studying this, I was like, why am I even studying the word saying? But you can't, I just did. And it, I, it came, it, it was really interesting um, because of, of what it meant here in the context. It says, they're following after their own lust. Look at that verse 4 and saying. Where's the promise of his coming? And they're not just saying it one time. But it's a continual questioning and sneering. Continual, over and over and over and over again. Where's the promise of his coming? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Think about how crazy it drives you when your child keeps asking the same question over and over again. Mom, 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 dad, dad. And you're like, hey, stop! We're going to see next week together that our response to the unbeliever, to the one that's sneering, shouldn't be, stop,
2: stop, stop, stop,
0: right? We don't, that's not the kind of response that we should have. There should be some love in that. But it's interesting that this word here, saying is a continual questioning or sneering about the fact that Christ is coming. Then the other word is the word coming. Now, this is an interesting word, and I really think you're going to like this. Class, parousia. Great word in the Greek. The word emphasizes not only his arrival, this is really good, but him being alongside of. I like that. You like that? I like that. You know, in the secular Greek, the word parousia refers to the coming of a king or a ruler. Does that sound familiar with what's coming for us? Right? Right? The Lord Jesus Christ is coming to the earth to rule and to reign for 1,000 years. That sounds great. Thank the Lord that He's coming. Because there's a lot of things I could list that I'm really tired of. How about you? It's going to be nice to have one that is on the throne who is righteous. Man, that's going to be nice. How do we even give thanks for that? But we do. And he's coming to rule. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 20 that he's coming to rule and he's coming to reign. But the word parousia is not only used in reference to his second coming, but his coming in general, the rapture as we know it. And I thought this would be really encouraging to you, so can I take you to a couple of passages? And and that'll be fine, right? So I want you to go back with me, and because there's comfort in his coming. Now, um, the Lord just kind of led me to open up the service how I did, so I, that's the only explanation I can give you. But I, I was thinking, you know, that there's no accidents with the Lord, and as I was opening up and, and talking through it, I kept thinking, wow, you know, it is encouraging to bring things to the Lord, um, but we're not physically in the presence of the Lord. But you know what? One day we will be and I think that's kind of encouraging and um, the Lord was about encouragement. Did you know that? If you go back to John 14, real quick I want to show you two passages of scripture that talk about this term, coming. The Bible tells us he's coming to rule and to reign and the difference between his second coming and the rapture is that the second coming, he's coming to earth. The rapture, is going to be in the clouds. Well, um, I need to say that before we read this. Listen to what the um, Lord tells the disciples. After he's just told them, I'm about to leave, and where I'm going, you can't come. And they're like, hello, we've been with you, right? Where are you going? I mean, Peter's like, hey, I want to go with you. Well, you get to chapter 14, and Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And in the context, he's talking to these disciples. And I love verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, since I'm doing that, I will come again and receive you to heaven. Is that what it says? No, it's not what it says. I will receive you to myself. You know, as I was thinking about that this week, I was like, man, Lord, we sure do make Christianity about a lot of things. But I think we could probably do a little better at saying, you know what, when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, not only do I have the opportunity to fellowship with him now, but I'm going to be in his presence one day. I like the way Tony Evans says it. And I'm going to keep telling you this till the Lord comes to get me. Um, we need to he- treat heaven as a promotion, not a demotion. We're being promoted to the presence of the Lord. Does it get better than that? Answer, no. I love the way he says that to them. Because at this point in time, remember what we talked about in the beginning of the service? right? They're anxious. Hey, where are you going? They didn't get it yet. You know what this this encouraged me with? And and somebody mentioned this. I was eating with someone this week, and they mentioned you know the Lord, the Lord's timing is just, it's always perfect, right? It's just always perfect. He gives you what you need. You know there are a lot of Christians out there today, and I'll say this brief commercial. A lot of Christians out there looking for something, and God's already given us that something. He's given us His book, His word, His love letter, and one day we get to be with Him. You say, how long do we get to be with him? Great an- great question. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to show you. This is another tremendously encouraging passage to a group of people in Thessalonica who were like, they were going, hey, where are the people that have gone before us? What has happened to those who have died? Did you bring a lunch? I'm just, yeah, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh... So, hey, listen, uh, anxiety is going to take place on the part of people at times in relationship to death. And these guys were anxious. Where are these ones who have gone? What's happened to them? And so Paul writes, and he says, but we do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant, brethren, about those who are asleep. In other words, believers who've died, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. Now, he does not say, do not grieve. Notice that. He doesn't say, don't do it. He just says, we don't do it like the unbeliever does it. Because the unbeliever has no what? Hope! I love children who have names, faith, hope, joy. I just love that. We're not going to have any more kids But I would love to have one of my granddaughters be named Faith, Hope, Joy. I just love that. Where did that even come from? He says that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. So those, listen to me, those who have no hope grieve like you and I should not. When you're at a believer's funeral... Right, if the Lord takes me next week, please, please do not have this, like, sad time. Eat jambalaya, crawfish etouffee, have a party. I've been promoted. Huh, sounds crazy, doesn't it? You know who it sounds crazy to? People without Christ. That's who it sounds crazy to. It shouldn't sound crazy to us. It's okay if the Lord comes for you next week, isn't it? <laughs> I know my mom wasn't expecting to go when she did. I, she wasn't expecting that. She wasn't expecting the doctor to say, Hey, look, you, you, I've done all I can do. But on August 18, 2015, when she set her eyes, she was in the presence of the Lord. It doesn't get better than that. So he says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. That's great. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. This is not, in other words, I think Paul's making a huge, huge statement here. This is not my word. This is not my wisdom. This is from the Lord. Now, listen, when you're going through difficult times, I like to be hearing this is from the Lord. Right? You're not looking for my wisdom or my understanding. You're looking for what does the Lord say? And so, he says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, Paul thought he was going to be alive, and remain until the coming of the Lord, shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. Notice verse 16, for the Lord himself. Look at that emphasis. He doesn't just say, for the Lord will descend. He says, for the Lord himself will descend. From heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Not might rise, but will rise first. So my mom's going to be caught up first. If the Lord comes today, she's first. And then Paul says, look at verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up what a picture together with them who are them the dead in Christ in the clouds to look at this this is where I'm talking this is that parousia thing right to meet the Lord in the air and thus we will always be with the Lord that sound good to you now let me tell you a benefit in the context of this passage listen These guys in Peter, as he's writing, these guys, he's saying, hey, look, they're mocking, they're making fun of the second coming of Christ. Now, I want you to listen to this. The word parousia means to be alongside, or it emphasizes one's presence. Now, for the church, here it is. This is good stuff, all right? Great medicine, better than any medicine a doctor will give you. When the Lord Jesus comes for his church, We'll be caught up. The dead in Christ will rise first and then we'll go up. And the Bible says we will meet him in the air and, what did it say? We will what? Forever be with him. And so then you have, after he comes for his church, subsequent to that, is seven years of tribulation on earth. Awful times. Where are we? Class. We are with the Lord. And do you know what? When he comes to the earth to rule and to reign, guess who's coming with him? We are! Does it get better than that? That's pretty good. Or are you going to be caught up? Or will you be left behind? We sang a song, a hymn. I love hymns. You know, people argue about music in some churches. Drives me crazy. Look, the issue is not the beat. The issue is the content. So, you know, I'm not a drummer boy, and I don't play guitar. But I love listening today. There's some really great music, great content. And that last song was, the Lord just worked it all out. Thank you, Lord. It is well with my what? And I have to ask you, is it well with your soul? I have to ask you that. Do you know without a doubt that you have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior and Him alone for your salvation? Do you know that? Over the years, I'll close with this. Man, sorry, 1145. Over the years, I guess it's almost been 30 now that I've been privileged to be in ministry full time. And I've done a lot of funerals. And do you know how sometimes when you're talking to somebody, they kind of give you a blank stare? You're, you know, I don't know if I did that right, but there's, in your I have done many funerals when I've asked the question, is it well with your soul? And I get this. They have no idea! And it's because the God of this age has blinded them. Can I encourage us to do something? Not only the shepherds in this room, but every one of the sheep, every one of you who belong to the Lord. Can I encourage you today to pray for those that the Lord bring alongside of you so that you can share the hope of Christ with them. Let's pray together. Lord, in this passage, we're going to see that these scoffers have it all figured out. We're also going to find out that Peter sets a tremendous example of how to handle people who scoff at or laugh at or ridicule. There are a lot that laughed at and scoffed at the preacher of righteousness who was Noah. Mm. And Lord, there are a lot today that laugh at that make fun of the gospel. As Dean brought out, they make fun of those of us who hold to a literal six-day creation. They think we're nuts. And Lord, I'm just thankful that we don't have to try to conjure up something in our own wisdom or through our own understanding, but we have your word. And over and over and over, as we're going to see next week, over and over and over and over again by different folks. Creation is affirmed. (laughs) I was just overjoyed reading and studying that this week. We are on the right team. Peter, as a shepherd, just as the chief shepherd wanted Peter to know, hey, you're on the right team. I'm not done with you. Shepherd my sheep. Tend my sheep. Lord, help us to know. Help us to know that as shepherds and as sheep we're on the right team if we are in Christ as we sang earlier Lord I pray that for everyone in this room it truly is well with their soul because as we're going to see as we go in this chapter a day's coming it's coming a day of judgment that everyone who does not know Christ will face. As believers, we face judgment, the seat, but we're not judged to condemnation. Can I thank you for that, Lord? Thank you so much. I deserve your wrath. You took it for me. I praise you for the great gift of salvation. And I pray, Lord, that I would live like it like that I have that. And I pray for my fellow believers in this room that they would praise you for their salvation and that they would live as believers in Christ, longing for and looking for your coming. Please, Lord, work in this building today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: a day coming when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord and that's what this last song is about so you guys listen to the words Was lost he crossed eternity, the king of life was on the moon in a dark old tomb where our Lord was made
1: Oh
0: we uh, close in a word of prayer. Let's stand together and let's close. So, Lord, it's been good to be here. Be among other brothers and sisters in Christ and worship you. And You alone are worthy of the praise and the glory and the honor. And one day we're going to have uninterrupted worship We look forward to that. But until then, Lord, I pray you would help us every day to know that we have the privilege to worship you. We don't have to be in this building. We'll be anywhere. And we can worship you, and you are worthy of that. And I pray, Lord, um, as we close, I pray if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you, that it's not well with their soul. Lord, I pray they would know they could seek me out and others out to to find out um, in detail what Christ did for us. And um, it's an amazing, amazing um, story. And so um, I remember singing um, when I was a young boy, I love to tell the story. And so I just pray that that would be true in our lives, that we would love to tell the story of how Jesus Christ saved us And continues to um, work in our lives as believers. And so I pray that we would um, live well for you this week. And Lord, that we would live in light of your coming. You can come anytime for us. And I pray that that we would um, be ready for that. In the name of Christ.
1: Amen. You're dismissed.